0: Welcome back to Limbok Unlocked. Until 20 years ago, few researchers paid attention to the role of emotions in negotiating. You know, how, how feelings can influence the way people overcome conflict, reach agreement, and create value when dealing with another person. Now when we talk about negotiation, we're really talking about professional skills and soft skills, and specifically a skill called emotional intelligence. A leader in this space and this skill at our company is branch manager Ian Swatalski. His expertise is going to guide our discussion today as we unpack the difficulties of negotiation, the soft skills necessary to negotiate effectively, and even what to do when someone gets frustrated while negotiating. My name is Katie Mystery. Let's get started, shall we? Ian, welcome to the show.
1: Good afternoon.
0: So, tell us a bit about your history with this organization because you've been here a while. Uh, so you know you know what you're doing here, and you've you've kind of seen some things. Um, so tell us the history, and then also lead us into what are you doing now?
1: Okay. Yeah, I'm actually starting to feel like the old guy around here, but <laughs> um, it's been a pretty cool adventure with Limbach. Uh, Way back in 1997, I joined the MPS team, which was the mechanical professional services, which was the engineering arm of the business. So, uh, more current known as uh, LEDs or LCS. Mm -hmm. So, got my foot in the door uh, as a draftsman. So, I was doing a little bit of hand drawing and uh, some CAD work. So, and that kind of got me through my engineering career. But... uh, did CAD, became the CAD manager up in uh, MPS North, we called it, and then got into engineering. And then from there, project management, uh, SPD department manager, general service manager, and then I think I'm going on my seventh or eighth year as um, branch manager right now. So it's been a wonderful journey.
0: I didn't realize you, have basically been in every division of the company. So you were engineering, did some service, did some big project, sales, I mean, yep. you've done it all.
1: Yeah, very, very fortunate to have the exposure. So um, it's kept it very interesting.
0: How did that happen for you? Did you kind of raise your hand or did it was it right time, right place?
1: Uh, I think it was mostly no good deed goes unpunished, but. <laughs> Uh, You know, I've been very blessed with having some really great mentors at Mm -hmm. Limbaugh and kind of coaching and pushing me to go try new things. Mm. Um, And when opportunities came up, you know, uh, they promoted me and supported me even more importantly. So uh, a number of those people are still doing that today. So uh, like I said, feel very fortunate for that.
0: Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Now, we are talking about a very specific part of the job, I guess, today, but it's something that I know you and I have talked about before that happens in life. And we're going to we're gonna dive into negotiation. Um, so I guess I'm wondering where you see negotiating happening for you in your life as well as in your role, because I could imagine that getting to where you are now as the branch manager, you've had to do quite a bit of career negotiation. Um, But it happens in our life and our home life, too. So I'd love to hear where you run into that.
1: You know, it's almost almost like a daily occurrence. You know, you don't realize how many things that you're negotiating, even when you're talking to coworkers about how to proceed with something. You know, they're listening to you you're listening to them and that kind of is in my opinion the definition of negotiating it's it's coming to an agreement that both parties support
0: Hmm, okay
1: Um, you know i i personally want to feel good about a negotiation i want the other party to feel good about it so that we're both supporting it and we're going to get to that defined outcome at some point but you know um it it could be you know trying to get somebody on the team at Limbach, you know an outsider that's coming over or similar to like my past experience, somebody talking me into going to the next level, you know there's there's negotiating there, you know obviously we're mechanical contractors, the second part of that contracting, well that's contracts, that's terms, those yeah. are all things that have to get negotiated, um, and in this day and age as quickly as things change it it's a lot more present in every deal mm-hmm. so um and i saw this thing on the back of uh the sky mall magazine like five years ago i don't know if you're familiar with that yes. publication, but they had a fortune cookie and it had a slip of paper on it and it said um, you don't get what you deserve you get what you negotiate that, that's often true. You know, There are people on the other side of the fence, in my opinion, that their culture or the way they go about business is to take full advantage of the situation. And I think with Limbox core values, I think we're more, we want both parties to be satisfied with it. So um, that's kind of my mentality going into all the negotiations that I participate
0: in okay and you said coming to an agreement that both parties support that's that's how you would define that process yes yeah and i can well i was just gonna say like i could see where this could take a while Yeah. (laughs) depending on what you're negotiating um how do you prepare to go through that process because like we just said it could take a long time you don't necessarily know up front everything that the other party is going to bring to the table. So what's your process for getting ready?
1: Yeah, and and this is uh, a very similar process to everything that I do. And, you know, mm-hmm. going back, I think about 15 years ago, uh, there was a leadership session that Charlie used to head up mm-hmm. and he exposed me to the mind mapping. Yes. And uh, I, I typically do that before every every negotiation and the preparation starts with doing that and really identifying the outcome that i'm trying to get done what is my goal with this negotiation Um, once i've established what i'm trying to do i try to put on their shoes and and figure out you know what's their needs what's their wants what's their must-haves that i know that they're not going to um, bend on And, and really try to figure out does my offering have any alignment with their needs and wants? Mm -hmm. You know, what's going to get them to participate in the dialogue? Um, From there, once I have kind of established those two things, um, you know, I outline what I call my choose my own adventure book. Um, (laughs) You know, you have to have options, you have to have plan A, B, and C. It's never going to go how you think it's going to go but if you can cover two or three different scenarios and prepare yourself, usually you can take those two or three and adjust to anything that gets thrown at you. Um, role playing never hurts. Once you think okay. you've your target's established, you know, you wanna solicit other people to ask you the tough questions that you really haven't exposed yourself with, and that might change your strategy a bit. Um, Then once all that's complete, before I walk into the negotiation, I try to my remind myself my two biggest tools usually in negotiating is silence, um, awkward pauses. You know, trying to encourage them to talk, um, and never to go first. I always want to see their starting point because sometimes that might be a lot further ahead than where I thought we were going to start, and if it's you know, way off of the distance, then I'm going to have to go with my scenario that prepared me for yeah. really getting them further to where I need to be.
0: Interesting. What if their strategy is never go first? Are you just doing like a stare down across the table?
1: I've, I've had that before, uh, probably on the biggest deal I negotiated. And it was about a two and a half minute uh, stare <laughs> off and In silence? The, in silence and uh, the procurement uh, support person that was in the room finally couldn't oh. handle the tension and broke it up but uh, it, it kind of let them know that we weren't budging.
0: oh like you know what it takes it takes real skill and i almost want to say it takes a special person to be able to do that but i think you can learn it i think you can learn it and correct me if i'm wrong there but yeah it <laughs> It takes skill to be able to say, "Mm -mm, like, I'm going to sit in this discomfort with you for as long as it takes.
1: Yeah. And everybody's human, you know, it's so just uh, the emotions that you're going through, the other side's typically going through that. And it's just who's got the better poker face to initiate Mm. that next
0: move. Mm. Well, I'm glad you used the word emotions, because that's something I want to talk about. You said, you know, we're all human. So going through the process of negotiating and preparing to negotiate, you're thinking through all these scenarios and you're realizing, okay, if they say this, then I have to move this way and I need to maybe persuade them with this tactic. And so you're really playing on heartstrings sometimes and not in a manipulative way, but what are the soft skills that you think people need in order to do that persuasion well? Cause I think there's some underlying pieces there.
1: Yeah, there is. And um, I I guess the most important soft skills, the the, the number one soft skill is the ability to listen. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, listening in the meetings coming up to that, um, really trying to find out, you know, where you anticipate they're gonna wanna go with the negotiation. And, and, and going back to that listening for what's important and what they must have. Um, if you're not listening and you go in there completely prepared for the wrong dialogue, it's not going to get you anywhere. So listening is, is a really important skill. I'd say the second one is your communication style. Everybody communicates in different ways. Um, Some people are better at articulating it verbally. You know, some need props, some need diagrams, slides, the big sticky note in there. Um, But how are you going to communicate that? You got to figure out the best way to keep the other side of the table, um, keep their attention present. Um, And then, really, the last two, in my opinion, uh, faith. You have to have faith in yourself. you can negotiate it you can get to your goal uh if you come off timid um my big concern with that is is that you don't believe in what you're proposing Um, you need to have confidence in it and express that that i think this is a good deal for you Mm -hmm. but if you don't do that you could potentially make them feel like you're trying to take advantage of them Mm -hmm. And then the last thing really uh, is patience. I've learned that it rarely gets negotiated in the first sit down, the second sit down. Uh, it's going to take a lot of time, and don't get impatient with the process. You got to keep it moving along. Um, but I often might leave something though um, if you know I really need to sleep on it before I make a decision.
0: Okay, I want to unpack a couple of these because I just want to make sure I'm understanding. So if we go back to listening, um, you know, in, in a lot of our leadership programs, we talk about active listening and that it actually, by the end of a conversation, your brain should hurt. If you're really actively listening, You're you're not just thinking, how am I going to respond? You're truly curious, trying to understand the other person. Is that the kind of listening that you're talking about when you say listening? It's the my brain hurts at the end of this
1: conversation. Yes. Some of the techniques that I, so I can active listen. Mm -hmm. um, Usually I have a piece of paper and sometimes I'm writing down what they're saying, but a lot of times what I'm doing is writing down what I want to say so that I can actively listen to what they're saying. Let my brain process it real time and not worry about, that follow-up comment that I want to make sure I get over the finish line. If I've written it down, I can park it for a moment and continue listening.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that to me ties into the patience too. And that whole idea of silence, because I would gather that once you're done listening and they're, or they're done talking, you look down at your notes, gather your own thoughts, figure out how you want to formulate or address their points and you go from there. So it really is this, I think when we think negotiation, we think sometimes like people shouting across the table, and I'm sure that does happen. But more often than not, is it really just talking, silence, and processing, responding, responding to that silence and processing? Like, is it more of that calm ebb and flow?
1: It, it's kind of doing a dance. Okay. And, yeah. You know, not everybody's is fortunate. You know, we've got a pretty good client base. Mm -hmm. um, where there's a lot of trust and it's more of a constructive dialogue. Yeah. Uh, however, sometimes when we're dealing with a new owner, be it with a GCR and ODR customer, that trust hasn't been established yet. Mm. Um, and a lot of, I would say, uh, you know, we're kind of in, uh, there's so many procurement people in the Detroit market because of the automotive and the shenanigans that happened in the seventies and eighties these people have been trained that we're all contractors are out to take advantage. So they typically come in hot and heavy with no trust. And that's where, you know, you got to take a few licks and let them just calm themselves down before you kind of respond.
0: Okay. All right. So, and and that's probably where, you know, like when they say you can smell fear on people, (laughs) you have to be confident. You have to stand your ground, but There is that level of humility of like, okay, if you need to say this, you need to say it. Yeah. And I'll, I'll listen. Um, Communication-wise, how do you, are you learning real-time how they communicate, or is there prep work that you can do, research that you can do to figure out how that person best communicates? Do you have any best practices for that?
1: I, I think that's part of uh, some of the prep, absolutely. Okay. Uh, and, and try to lead We try to find out, you know, if we're meeting with an owner through a GCR contract, we try to find out, you know, how did your negotiations go with them, you know, what's critical to them, Um, what were you able to get over the finish line. So at least we have a, you know, know the dynamic of the situation, Um, you know, oftentimes uh, if they were able to secure something positive, they'll share that with us and, you know, this is going to be a tough road uh we know that going in so sometimes if it's going to be a tough negotiation um we try to boil that must have list down
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know knowing that uh we'll be happy to get these three things even though we might start with an even bigger list so right. they feel like they've really got a win from us right okay but yeah at any type of previous interaction through another uh, relationship we we try to get that recon done
0: mm. okay i I really feel like sometimes we undervalue preparation and negotiation and just in talking to you so far, I can tell that if you prepare well, the odds are you're going to negotiate well.
1: Yeah. And like I said, it comes back to that confidence.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, the confidence piece is an interesting one to me because we've you mentioned it briefly about if someone gets angry, especially if you're working with a newer customer, um, what happens if you're sitting across from folks and you, you've you been having a very good conversation thus far, but they reach a boiling point where they're they're frustrated or angry that things aren't being resolved or you're not budging. So they're not coming out the gate angry, but it's that slow simmer. How do you handle that? in a negotiating
1: situation? Um, Well, number one, I'll tell you the way not to handle that. Okay. um, Is, is to get frustrated or angry yourself.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Usually I know a meeting's completely destroyed when uh, people start dropping how many years they've been in the industry and why they're right and and things like that. Um, And oftentimes, you know, when we are negotiating, there's an audience around us. You know, it might be somebody else that's part of the decision process or influencing the decision. Uh, And the girl or the guy with the cool head, they're gonna be the more respected party, even if they're wrong or if they're asking for too much. Um, So you gotta stay cool. Um, And I've I've gotten better with older age, but uh, (laughs) if you can maintain the calm personally, and try to say hey and acknowledge whatever you think that's frustrating them and get them to elaborate on it then you're going to get a few more data points get in their shoes and maybe you could steer it um too often though i it's not that effective and sometimes you just got to say hey we're going to have to reschedule this thing It, it we're so far apart um we're not we're not going to get anywhere let let us try to think up something else Hmm. to bring to you Uh, but usually when the emotions are that high you're not going to get anything productive done
0: is that um is that a, a frequent occurrence in the negotiations you've been a part of that people get to that point or is it more often the dance that you mentioned earlier
1: It's mostly the dance, and it's it's somewhat a negotiation, but not really. But uh, a lot of the bigger work that we do, which is open book, they have auditors come in and share their interpretation of what we've accounted for cost, and um, there is some negotiating that goes on. But I think whatever school they all go to, that is their strategy is to coerce you into getting frustrated and angry, and losing your. Collective stuff in front of everybody. Um, So I've learned that the hard way that you got to keep your cool in those instances. But for the most part, you know, we're dealing with professional business people. Mm -hmm. Um, And like I said, if you believe in what you're selling, um, you know, there's no reason to get angry.
0: So is belief in what you're selling um, part of the way that you present value when you're negotiating a deal? And, or are there other ways that you and the team kind of figure out your value propositions to make sure that you're going in with a fair offering?
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, a lot of that prep, you know, the value props come about, you know um, a lot of times what we feel is value, you know, we understand the value, but they might not. And we have to understand what is really valuable to them, and it can't always be just dollars and things like that. Yeah. Um, so, I I I think through a lot of the role playing and the practicing and the tough questions, um, you're going to prepare yourself to have that dialogue. Uh, when we go to actually present, um, you know, our side, um, I've kind of learned this technique, um, and I call it a show, not a share. So I like to present information um, but not distribute it so that they can poke holes in it, Mm -hmm. uh, keep it at our length. And what we try to do is actually put one or two PowerPoint slides together with our points. Mm -hmm. And we try to take control of the room and have this information up on the screen so we can always go back and reference it. Oftentimes when you're negotiating and perhaps somebody's just pounding you with their points and things like that. What you've already brought up gets lost in conversation and the conversation kind of moves on. Um, so we like to try to take control of the room, put those value props up there or some other fun facts mm-hmm. um, that we can hopefully convince them you know, our position.
0: And I've actually, I've seen a couple of these slides. They're highly visual. I mean, you barely have any words on there at all. Is there thought behind that?
1: Yeah. Typically um if it's more visual and less um words or numbers, it gives you the flexibility to kind of deviate on a point. You know, yeah. uh you can adjust based on how the conversation's going.
0: Right. Okay. There's my gosh, there's so much creative thinking that goes into this and critical thinking, of course, but I don't know that we all realize how much of an art <laughs> this yeah. all is as much as it is a science. Yeah,
1: and, and it can be enjoyable, you know, um, hmm. going through it. it. It doesn't always have to be just butting heads or, you know, the two armies lining up. It, it's a dialogue hopefully with some trusted people that you've conducted business with and you just have to fine tune the opportunity hmm so that both of you can support it.
0: It's such a mindset when you put it that way. Which, yeah. Again, going back to you have to have faith in yourself and in what you're selling or negotiating. But if you think of it as coming to an agreement that both parties support, then I could see it being enjoyable. I'm still learning that. You know, <laughs> I think there's a lot of us that are still learning that. Because I still have this idea in my head of the used car salesman and I just want to hide behind the car and not go anywhere near that,
1: but. Yeah, because, you know, that situation can be confrontational. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people feel like they're getting taken advantage of. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, I will spend more on a vehicle with a nice experience with somebody that I feel like I'm working with versus the yeah. guy that, or girl that just comes out of the gate and says, you know, we got the best deal in the world. Aggressive. For you but you have 30 seconds to sign this piece of paper.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm right there with you. I definitely, you buy from the person. Like the person is the one who either sells it or doesn't sell it, in my no. opinion. Um, can you provide us an example? I think stories go a long way here and you've given us a lot of great uh, best practices and advice, practical advice. But could you give us a story or an example of when or how you negotiated and the outcome was not something you wanted or planned for. And how did that process happen? And then what did you do to learn from that for the next negotiation?
1: Yeah, Uh, and I guess I'm gonna generalize first. Um, Usually all negotiations that I've done or witnessed in Michigan um, that did not have good outcomes were ones that really took too long. Hmm. So you you do have to have patience, but that's usually, you know, a matter of days and weeks, you know, we have deals that potentially get strung out four to six months. And what happens is the environment's changing every day. Um, So sometimes your value props are no longer valid. Other times you've lost the leverage that you needed to kind of get to where you needed to be. And because they were here. Mm-hmm. um so deals that are too spread out you know when we have construction activity going on but we haven't finalized all the paperwork yeah. um and and the whole thing falls apart for both sides and then it gets very contentious starts to fail um and that's a lot of what happened uh at mgl you know about a 60 million dollar hospital job that we did um they just could not keep up with the design, the owner was afraid to make contractual obligations. You know, they were concerned about our fee Mm -hmm. and that one, it it, it took forever. And um, we ended up taking a haircut, reducing our fee for this shared savings program. And by the time we negotiated it, it really wasn't even relevant anymore. Um, So it was just frustrating that all this time effort occurred for no outcome, we lost track of the outcome that we were trying to fulfill.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So um, so that's what I'm hypersensitive is. If we gotta be able to seize the moment, be patient, but seize the moment. Right,
0: ha- have a sense of urgency.
1: Yeah, and we okay. have to be able to say no. Uh, that's probably something we didn't, you know, not every negotiation uh, ends with the deal. You know, sometimes you have to walk. Yeah. Um, and and you know those deals once they're done with, <laughs> and you, you haven't had a good result, but, you know, if you're in business, if you're in mechanical contracting, if you're in service, um, you have to have the discipline to walk if you cannot get to your desired outcome.
0: Is there any um, piece of advice that, if we have maybe a new negotiator listening to this that you would want them to walk away with from all the good stuff you've given here, you want them to walk away with this one thing, because I even feel like in that story you gave us, there's a handful of practices that we could put in place.
1: Um, I think the takeaway really is nine times out of 10, your gut's gonna be right. So if it doesn't feel right, it's definitely not right. I've never had a deal that didn't feel right end up good. So trust your gut.
0: Good advice. Good advice. Well, Ian, I have definitely learned a lot. I think one of my biggest takeaways um, is how human the negotiating process is and how we need to see that it's another person on the other side of the table. Um, And I do think that goes along with trusting your gut. and the patience, the confidence, the communication, the listening, all of the good stuff you've given us. Before we close today, because we could keep talking about this. I know. um, I do have one last question for you. And this is our curveball question. So it it has absolutely nothing to do with what we've talked about. uh, But it's fun. So why not?
1: Forget about the curveball, Ricky. Give him the heater.
0: If you could change places with anyone in the world, would you And if so, who would it be and why?
1: Oh boy. Um, I think if you uh, asked me that question a month ago, uh, I would have the answer for you. Uh, But one of my my biggest idols for a long time is a gentleman by the name of uh, Ken Block. And uh, he passed away over the holiday season in a snowmobiling
0: accident. Oh my
1: goodness. He was an entrepreneur and uh he picked up his passion a little bit later in the life uh which had a lot to do with uh, automotive racing mm-hmm. and uh he just had a really a big appreciation for vehicles like i do um mm-hmm. so i respected a ton of what he did what he accomplished in his life and uh the business side of how he accomplished things, and he was a good family man um so it did it, uh, it broke my heart over the holiday season oh, did yeah. pass away, but uh, he's been one of my long time uh, idols, which I would have loved just to experience a day in the life a after. day in the
0: life, right yeah, Ken block you said
1: ken block forty three
0: all right, so if anybody listening wants to go do a deep dive on uh, Ken Block, it sounds like. Sounds like a really well-rounded person. He was. Well, thank you for sharing that. I I would say, Ian, that knowing your history and your your experience with the company and in your negotiating roles, you are also a very well-rounded person. And I would hazard to guess that if anyone listening has any questions or wants some further input, they could reach out to you.
1: Is that fair? Call me on the cell anytime.
0: All right. Ian, thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you, this was fun.
0: Ian has just given us a blueprint, but for more than just negotiation. They're principles that serve us well at work, but also at home, anywhere where we're dealing with other human beings. So take that critical and creative thinking of yours and put it to good use in your next negotiation or your next conversation. Enjoy the process and work toward the betterment of all parties involved. We'll catch you next time on Limbok Unlocked.